Are you looking to buy or sell a home? Wondering where to start? Do you have questions about mortgage and real estate and need honest, accurate answers? Well, you're in the right place. Welcome to The Educated Home Buyer with expert real estate broker, Jeb Smith, and certified mortgage consultant, Josh Lewis, where we discuss everything you need to know to buy right, borrow smart, and build wealth through real estate ownership. Welcome back to The Educated Home Buyer, where our goal is to help you buy right, borrow smart, and build wealth through real estate ownership and financing. In today's episode, we're going to touch on the idea of home prices being sticky to the upside. In the media at the moment, what we're hearing is that home prices are crashing, homes are sitting on the market longer, you know, that there's just turmoil, if you will, with regards to the housing market. So Josh and I want to spend a little bit of time and talk about the market, where we are at the moment and why prices are sticky to the upside. Josh, so when you hear me say that, uh, clearly you and I are on the same page, but what does it mean when prices are sticky to the upside? It means that the prices of homes are different than other investments because housing is not purely an investment, um, meaning that they are resistant to coming down. They're not, uh, they're not uh, safe from ever coming down. We've seen this happen, but especially for the current crop of home buyers, if we say 2007, 2008, 2009 was sort of the worst of the last housing downturn, we're talking 15 years ago. 14 years ago. So our 34, 35 year old home buyers were about 20 around that time. They looked around, they saw friends, family, lose homes, have problems with homes, home values come way down. And that's their only experience uh, with that because prior to that, the last downturn we'd had was early to mid nineties. So they were eight or 10 years old. So most of our first time buyers in that 30 to 40 age range think that a monster downturn or crash in home prices is normal and typical and happens on a regular basis. And we get the um, crash porn all over YouTube and the internet of people since, you know, the before the pandemic screaming that the housing market was overvalued and going to crash. So again, in the context, you asked a very simple question. What do we mean by sticky to the upside? Once home prices go up, a homeowner is very hesitant to sell at anything less than what they perceived as the peak value of their home. I haven't sold my home in, in I haven't had a transaction on my home since 2003. So we're going on 19 years. So I have to guess at what I think the peak value of my home was, but we all have that number from looking around at a neighbor that sold something in the neighborhood and you go, okay, my home's worth that. So when you then have a chance to sell, if you're not going to get that number, most people are very resistant to selling and that is why home prices stay high people will choose not to sell versus selling at a loss to their perception of what the peak value of their home was now and, and i think something that needs to be stated here when you talk about that is in no way are we saying home prices can't go down we're just saying that as home prices go down moderate decline whatever you want to term you want to use that sellers are going to be more uh, or less, they're going to be more resistant to selling beneath a price that they feel their home is worth based on some perceived value or based on a, a value that they've previously gotten from maybe an agent or where their neighbor's house sold, right? Yep. And, and okay. Jeb, you you just hit, hit on something really important. Let's look at what has to happen 
for their to for for home prices to not be sticky to the upside. We said 2008. We all know home prices came down tremendously, depending on where you were, anywhere from 20 to 50 percent decreases in home prices. How and why did that happen? Because we had forced sales. Um, people absolutely could not make their payment. Bank took the property back. Bank is not in the business of owning homes and they will sell at any cost. And when you have a volume of those in an area and they're the only inventory on the market, for us in Southern California, at one point, 65 to 75% of the homes available for sale in the MLS were bank owned properties. The bank's not in the business of owning homes. They want them off the books at whatever the market will bear at that given point in time. So to have a recipe where home prices are not going to hold at or near their current levels, have a small correction. You have to have a massive volume of forced sales to have that big drawdown. And we're going to go through that. Jeb, you've already outlined some good stuff here uh, as to why that is. Yeah. And and you started the conversation by saying that, you know, owning a home or home prices are different from any other investment. Um, so let's talk about that because I think it's important, you know, th that's probably m the more important piece of this whole puzzle is, is how is it different from other investments? Now we're not saying that your house is solely an investment long-term. It has the benefits of an investment with appreciation and, and just, you know, tax benefits and all of these different things. But how is it different from say stocks or bonds or, or any other thing, crypto, if you will, um, that you might put your money in? You have to have shelter. You don't have to have any of those other things. The other things are nice to have. So uh, when I say I have to have shelter, and let's say I decided that my neighborhood had peaked and I have to sell because I don't want to suffer any loss. Well, then I go, okay, where am I going to live? Am I going to move in with family? Am I going to go rent a property? Do I have another property that I'm willing and able to, to move into? For most people, they either do not have those options or they find those options distasteful relative to staying in their home and, and riding it out. All of the other investments you talked about, if you sell Bitcoin, you don't have to have crypto. So you don't have to go, okay, am I going to get some Ethereum? Am I going to use some of uh, my mom's Shiba Inu in the meantime? Totally irrelevant to your life. You do not have to have it. And that's the same for any stock. If you say, hey, I think Tesla has seen the, the better days. It's, it's going to decline from here. Um, I don't have to say, okay, I'm going to sell. Am I going to buy Amazon? Am I going to buy Microsoft? What am I going to do? You don't have to do any of that. You can put it in cash. You can put it in bonds. Um, you can just go burn the money in Vegas. But you have to have somewhere to live unless you choose to be homeless, which most of us, especially those who have become homeowners, are not going to choose to do. Um, it, it is uh, it's a different choice to make because you're saying, OK, I have other alternatives for housing, but I still have to have housing. Whereas other investments, I can literally liquidate them, walk away and not have to have them in my life at all. No. And, and I guess that part lays on top of transaction costs. Right. You and I have talked about this a lot. You know, you sell your house or you go to sell a stock. Let's start there. You know, you were just talking about selling stock and crypto. With the platforms out there at the moment, you can sell a stock for a couple of bucks. I mean, some platforms don't charge you anything to sell a stock. So it's very easy to to move in and out of these things, right? So you buy, you know, in your example, Tesla, you don't like it. You sell it tomorrow and you move on. A house is a, is a bit different, right? I mean, when you go to, to sell a house and or buy a house, there's, fees involved in buying that house. You know, you might not have to pay your realtor up front when buying a house, but you've got closing costs, you know, fees that are associated with the loan on that property 
when purchasing it. Even if you go cash and buy a house, you know, for cash, you still have cost with regards to title and escrow and these additional fees that you have to take into account. And more so when you go to sell a property, right? Because the idea at the moment is that everyone is just going to sell their property and or let it go because home prices are normalizing or decelerating or shifting or whatever adjective you want to use to describe house prices. People are saying, you know, they're just going to get out. Well, let's talk about that, Josh. You go to sell. I mean, what's the average price here in Orange County at the moment? The median, somewhere over around a million. million? Yeah, over maybe a million, million over two. Million. Yep. We'll use a million because it's an easy number to calculate on. So to the transaction cost to sell that property, you know, even if you went with some sort of discount brokerage and whatever, you're still probably going to pay somewhere between four to five percent to sell that property. So you're talking forty to fifty thousand dollars to sell that property. And in turn, like you mentioned, shelter, you need somewhere to live. So your alternatives are to go buy another property or go rent something. And we know what rents have done. And, and we're not going to spend a lot of time here talking about rents, but you've got the transaction cost in, in selling that property and buying another. And that's another reason that people are likely to stay put as home prices moderate a bit. And Jeb, think about what you said there. Million dollar home, it's going to cost you forty dollars to $50,000 to sell. So I am afraid that my home value is going to come down so I'm going to guarantee myself a forty to fifty thousand dollar loss, and you go, okay, it's four to five percent of my million dollar home. Okay, what does that million dollar owner look like? Most of them bought in the last ten years. They paid four to six hundred thousand dollars for that house, meaning that they owe say three to five hundred thousand if they didn't cash out and do some home improvements or or anything else through the time frame. But let's say you owe five hundred thousand dollars. So now you sell for a million, you pay 50,000 a cost, you got 950, you have $450,000. And don't, do not get me wrong, that is a lot of money. But now you're going, okay, I have to pay rent to live somewhere. I liked owning, and at some point I wanna own in the future, I sure am hoping and praying that prices come down even more because when I pay two or three percent uh, of costs on my way back in, now I'm down to about four hundred twenty thousand dollars. Do I even even if property values come down, do I get back in at a future point and still have more equity? Did I protect any equity by stepping out of the market? So just think of the psychology of it. Most people are pretty smart. And when they start penciling this out, they go, huh. I'm pretty sure my home's not going to go up in value a lot anytime soon. I may even be worried it's going to come down. But if I were to try to sidestep any loss, I have to get my timing perfect. I have to pay a bunch of costs to get out. I have to pay a bunch of costs to get back in. And I have to put a roof over my head in the meantime that makes me and my family happy. So does that mean that no one comes to the conclusion they should sell? No, but it means the vast majority of people, especially in that exact example that we just gave, they owe $500,000. They probably refinance down somewhere around 3%. The cost to own that home is a half to two-thirds of what it is to rent it. So you rapidly start eating into your your benefits of that $450,000 when you're subsidizing the cost of, of higher rents and you're also not paying your mortgage down. So none of these are giant reasons where you go, no one would ever sell a home just to avoid uh, a downturn in prices. 
you would have to be incredibly confident that home prices are going to come down. And I will tell you this, I sold a condo in 2007 that my wife loves and wishes we still had to this day. And I did that because I knew for a fact that the world was insane and had lost its mind and would be coming down because of not just where prices were, how the multiple of prices to rents um, in terms of the loans that it was taking for people to qualify to buy this home. So the multiple of home prices to incomes, any number of measures told us that that market was going to come down. We've covered it in other episodes here, Jeb, but we can go back and tell people why um, it is very unlikely that we see a crash in home prices. We could see a correction, but for the very reason that we're talking about, home prices being sticky to the upside, most people will stay put and sit in their home and wait until a future point, whether that's one years or 12 years from now, when they can sell uh, at a, a higher price point than what they perceive as the peak of their home's value. No, absolutely. I mean, I feel like everybody in, you know, not everyone, but there's a majority of people out there at the moment so worried about timing, trying to time the market in different regards, pick the bottom and pick the top and whatever, when they should be worried about time in, in the sense of how long do I need to hold the property? What does the future look like with regards to to keeping that property? You mentioned selling a property in 07. Well, I purchased a couple of properties in 06 um, and, you know, rental properties as well as a primary that I lost significant value on those properties over the, you know, during the, the housing debacle, if you will, and didn't sell these properties until later 2010, 2011. Um, at which point you probably near the lowest point uh, of, of those homes values. And within six to seven years after that, those homes were back up to what I paid for them. Uh, many of those homes are double, triple the value today. So I'm not saying you need to buy a home and, and you know buy a house with the idea of holding it forever, but that longer term time horizon allows those bumps in the roads like, like we've talked in, in other videos. Uh, but with that said, Josh, let's talk about why. Why would people sell in this market, right? I mean, outside of the idea of, of housing um, prices crashing, why? What's, what's the typical reason somebody puts their home on the market? Well, you've got, you've got the things, uh, lifestyle stuff, job move, marriage, um, more kids, less kids in terms of leaving the house. So like you talked about, they, they need more room or they need less room. They need a different location to be closer to a new job opportunity or opportunity of any sort. It might be a relationship on the other side of the country. Um, those would be the big ones. Do you have any other thoughts there, Jeb? Well, I mean, yeah. I mean, it goes into to upsizing and downsizing, right? Like you just said, you have more kids, you need more room. Kids go off to college, you need to downsize. Um, but in addition to that, I mean, people are typically putting their homes on the market outside of, you know, the craziness of, of you know, the market's going to crash. It's it's something that happens with with family, the, the three D's, you know, death, divorce, debt. Right. So getting a divorce, you have to, in many cases, sell that home, put that home on the market unless you can come to sort some sort of agreement to keep it where one person stays in it or you rent it out or whatever. Homes come on the market in those situations. And yeah, you can't predict where the market's going to be at that time. So it, those, those circumstances are a, a little bit more difficult to navigate. On top of that, we talked about, you know, um, death, death being another one, you know, a property is left to a family member, family member doesn't want to keep it or whatever. They can't keep it for whatever reason, those homes end up coming on the market. So even in a time where home prices um, are, are 
growing rapidly and and you know the value of a home is going to be worth more you know next month or, or the following month just because of the amount of demand out there people are still selling their house today because their circumstances well the same is true in a market that is moving sideways maybe even some markets uh declining a bit people are going to put their homes on the market but unless they're forced to to liquidate because they absolutely can't keep that property anymore that value that property is typically going to sell at its fair market value this is not a market where people have no equity have um you know where they're on the cusp of of losing their homes because their loans adjusting like like it was in 08 this is a completely different market now the last one i i talked about debt right so debt is one of those things that's a little bit unknown you and i've talked about it just you know briefly is you don't know somebody's financial position you know how much debt they have and and where that puts them especially if we head into a recession and and the market slows a bit but the one thing that we talked about at the beginning of this is you have to have shelter and people will keep their home before they keep things like their car things like you know, unnecessary expenses that they don't actually have to have. A hundred percent. And Jeb, under that debt category, we really, what, what we're talking about is debt to income. Um, you could have someone who took on some excessive debt. You can have someone who had a spouse who had a gambling problem or a spending problem. We have shopping addicts, addicts of many sorts. Something comes up and you didn't even know you had a level of debt. You can have a decrease in income. Um, that can also come due to health. One, uh, one or the other spouse has a health issue and is no longer able to work or no longer able to work and earn the way that they did previously. They're in a cyclical industry and they bought uh a home based off of peak income and it's no longer there. So there are reasons why people have to sell, but a recipe for large scale home price uh, reductions is um, dependent on forced sales. And those are the major causes of forced sales versus the last downturn. We've covered this you know, at length in other uh, episodes here is we don't have high loan to value loans with low credit score borrowers with marginal income histories that weren't documented. So we have the strongest book of mortgages ever but that doesn't mean that it, it makes makes them impervious, a homebuyer is impervious to any of these issues. If a spouse dies, and you don't have life insurance, that happens. That happens in good markets and in bad markets. If a spouse decides to leave and you have no, no say in it, they take half their income. That happens in good markets, bad markets. Um, something crazy and bad happens. You get into a lawsuit and you owe $350,000. The only way to make good on it is to sell your house. Like these things happen. Bad things happen no matter uh, when, and, and even there's good opportunities the, you know, uh, we talked on the live last week, Jeb, my neighbors around the corner, my understanding is the husband got an awesome job opportunity in Texas. So they've made a bunch of money on their home in the eight or nine years they've owned it. They can move to Texas, buy a nicer home for less and uh, have a, a better income than what they have here. So there's good reasons why people do it. Also, it's just, you have to look most people are strategic through a lifetime with their housing decisions. And right now is not a great time as a seller to move because you have accumulated a bunch of equity and whatever debt you have tied to that home is at a really low interest rate. So right now, what are we seeing? Jeb, you saw and you track these numbers super, super closely through the spring, through the summer, inventory increasing, increasing, increasing. And now it's leveled off. And, and some of that is seasonal, but some of that is 
the the weak hands or the people that that were highly motivated to sell have put their homes on the market now we get to the point where yes demand is down because higher rates higher prices lower affordability so we have less buyers but prices won't be coming down or down much because we also have less sellers because they've decided huh, why would i make a move now unless i could do something um, that would improve my housing situation which again with prices up interest rates up uh, that's pretty hard to do no and 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 you know one thing i add to that josh is people you know we we know this because we're in the business but people look at the payment right they don't look at the price often now they're looking at the price now because it's it's being talked about in the headlines and in the media and whatever they're looking at the price but ultimately every single month you know, they forget what they paid for that house oftentimes, right? They just forget and they, they often forget what their interest rate is many I times. They both. Just, but they but they know their payment. They know what they need to make every month or what they need to pay every month. And so even at this point, you know, where rates are, right? So rates are pushing six percent um for many well-qualified buyers out there. If home prices pulled back, let's just say, I mean, even significantly and say 10%, 20, you know, 15%, chances are with rates being as high as they are, your payment is still higher than it would be on the house that they have at the moment. I mean, in fact, that's probably a calculation that we need to do to see where home prices we need to pull back with today's rates to be comparable to where some of these sellers have a payment. And we know people live in the payment and not the price. So Josh, with all of that said, not to put you on the spot, but you know, prices are sticky to the upside. Where do you see the idea? Where, where do you see home prices moving, right? We've seen I think in the last 65 years, I saw the number today, 4.49% average appreciation over that period of time. Now, nation, as we mentioned, nationwide, nationwide. Now, as we mentioned at the beginning of this video, that's not a, you know, home prices don't only go up, right? There are some times where they go down. They might go down five, 10, you know, in, in, you know, 2008, they might go down 30% or whatever the number was in your market. And that's why there's an average over that course, you know, that that 65 year uh, time horizon of 4.49%. So Josh, you, you willing to, to go out there on a limb and, and say what you thought? Absolutely. Your yeah. um, for for us in Southern California, that, that number over the long haul is closer to six to 7%. It's well north of 5%. Um, so when we look going forward, what what is reasonable? You always expect mean regression. So meaning when you have a period of outsized returns like 2020, 2021, first part of 2022, when home prices were growing north of 10%, well north of 10%, and that's double what's typical or expected going, you know, a full two years of that, you would expect that you're going to mean revert. And that can happen in a couple of ways. You can have two three years of of below trend slightly or, or significantly below trend you can have 10 years of of below trend they can stay flat for a period of time or we can get a correction a sharper immediate correction because in its housing what we're talking about in this show today this episode tells me um, that i don't think many people are going to sell because they have low payments it's really only going to be forced sales so the potential range of outcomes. If we flash forward from here three to five years, I would say your worst case would be a correction of about 10%, and your best case would be about three and a half, four 4% annual appreciation, which would give you what, 
10, 12% to the upside. So that, that's your range. Um, and, and we've, again, we've talked about this in other episodes. We don't only buy real estate because of appreciation. We buy it because it fixes our housing costs. So you're not subject to the high rents that renters are now. Um, we do it because we're paying down principal. We do it for all the emotional reasons that it's your home. You can design, decorate, do whatever you want, your own peace of mind, whether you want to make it beautiful, you want to make it ugly, it's yours. So for, for all those ranges of, of potential outcomes there, I would say um, three to five years from now, we're going to have at worst case seen a, a seven to 10 percent correction. And most likely we will have gone sideways for a, a period of time. Jeb, you and I talked earlier today, two of the properties that I own, I have them set up in Zillow and Zillow uses their algorithm. Last month, both of them, they told me they were going to go up 11 percent in the next 12 months. And I think I commented to you when that came in, I'm like, there's no world that those houses are going up 11% in the next 12 months. Well, magically in one month, they've got religion and they came back and the one in orange should go up 0.6% in the next 12 months. And then the one here in Huntington Beach should go up 0.5%. I also don't think those are, are reasonable numbers. I think we'll see two, 3% appreciation on both of those um, for the next three, four or five years. That would be my most likely outcome if I had to bet. But that range of potential outcomes, seven to ten percent to the downside, ten percent to the upside over the next three to five. No, and I think uh, you know I'm I'm in agreement with with that for the most part. I, I mean I think a lot more sideways movement than really anything else. But I think that's ultimately what we're saying here, right? There's an opportunity to go up a little bit, an opportunity to go down a little bit, but more or less just sideways movement for an extended period of time. So. With that said, um, if you want to buy an ugly house and need a real estate agent, you can reach out to me directly. There's a link in the description below. I'm happy to refer you to someone if you're out of state. If you're here in Southern California, I can take care of you, my team and I. If you're somewhere else in California, I definitely have a connection for you there as well. If you want to get in touch with Josh, get you know approved for a loan, talk about cash out refinances, talking about buying ugly houses, whatever it is that you're into, there's a link again for, for that conversation to be had. Um, but next episode, we're actually going to talk about the idea of a housing recession. What is a housing recession? Josh and I are actually wondering that ourselves when we started the conversation. <laughs> so we're actually going to dive into it in more detail. Um, so I hope you join us there. But in the meantime, we would ask that you like, not like and subscribe, no, rate and review. Rate and review us um, on any podcast platform that you use. We would appreciate it. But until then, adios. Thanks for listening to The Educated Home Buyer. Want to connect with us or to a local expert in your area? Please reach out at theeducatedhomebuyer.com slash expert. If you found any value today, please be sure to rate and review us on your favorite podcast platform. In addition, we ask that you share it with your friends and subscribe to us on YouTube. And make sure to follow us on social media. Thanks again for listening.